Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for being here. I'm so glad you got the opportunity to enjoy this incredible film and this beautiful film. And more importantly, you're about to meet four of the people who made it so. Um, so without further ado, pushing through the crowds here, uh, please welcome Nadia Stacey, who is the hair and makeup designer. Uh, Fiona Crombie, who is a production designer. <laughs> Dixie Chasse, who is the casting director. <laughs> and Johnny Burns, who is a sound designer. Thank you all so much for being with us. We've got about half an hour, and I'm going to quickly go over to your questions. But just before we, we, we get there, um, only you, Johnny, have worked with Yorgos before. That's right, isn't I it? I have on, um, on The Killing of a Sacred Deer and The Lobster. Yep. Indeed. And so, but as an auteur filmmaker, I mean, you've all worked with other quite strong auteurs, the kind of Ben Wheatleys or Justin Kurzels or, you know, um, Jonathan Glazers of this world. How different is working with somebody like Yorgos? Do you want to start? Uh, for me, he's, um, he's pretty wonderful because unlike other directors, he just lets you, kind of, he sets you up and he chooses you and he lets you do what you want to do. And, and then he'll kind of judge you on that and it'll be a period after you've put your best effort in. And, and he's, um, he's not very forthcoming. I don't know if you found this, but with his, um, his, his kind of feedback is, I sort of, we sit down in the studio, I'm like kind of standing up on a set. So, I know when he doesn't like something because his foot kind of twitches like that. <laughs> but that's about as much as you get. But he's, I mean, he really is wonderful to work did, with. Did, yeah. Is that something you all shared? Is that the same experience? Well, I yeah. didn't realise that. So what, well, now you know. You can beat him at poker. <laughs> I didn't realise he was going to just let you bring your thing to him. Uh -huh. So for a while I kept thinking, I don't know what it is. I don't know what we're... And then I actually watched him do the David Lean lecture here. And afterwards, I said, you need to play that to future crew, because he basically said, I choose well, and then I let them bring ah. it to me, and then we make a film from that. And I thought, oh, yeah, if I'd have known that in the beginning, then that would have been have a much, more relaxed <laughs> much easier. Well, yeah, tell me. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, Dixie, let's start with you uh, in, in terms of, because I presume you were the first person to come onto this project out of these people. Would that be right? Probably. Uh, yeah, in some capacity, but you would have... I know you were a long time. I spoke to you about yeah. it, but I think yeah. you were the first oh. on the payroll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's um, So talk to us specifically about the kind of search for your three leads, um, because obviously that's the kind of standout of this film. Talk about the kind of discussions that you had with Yorgos and after what you'd seen on the page about what you were actually looking for. Well, as is often the case, and in particularly in relation to this, uh, Yorgos came with Rachel and Olivia because he'd worked with them on The Lobster. So he was very um, dedicated to collaborating with them again. And uh, there had been someone else in the frame briefly uh, post The Lobster's success, actually, at Cannes. Um, but then it did a sort of full circle back to Olivia, which was amazing for him. And Emma, he had... Um, light since Birdman and The Help and her previous films and they just met and that was straightforward for him I think. And was there any... It wasn't actually discussion. It wasn't um, discussion? No, it was clear which is uh, sometimes with him it's that simple although it's uh, like it's been talked about um, 
I found particularly, he um, inspired a desire to kind of seek his approval. So he doesn't necessarily articulate what he wants, but you just keep bringing things to him until he gives you the nod. Um, and we had a sort of Sounds gold star. Familiar. We had a sort of gold star <laughs> process where I would send him stuff and they would get stars. And I started to know that if they had two stars, I was doing well. And by the time they had four, bingo. So. That's really interesting. But talking about the fact that there was somebody else in the frame and then it became the cast that we see, do you think differently about those characters then? I mean, how, how much does that sort of shift, you know, kind of what you're looking for? What you mean when somebody else comes in and then falls out and something yeah. else happens? Well, that actually happened uh, quite close to the wire on um, with Harley and Nick Holt. I always think that there's a process and you do the due diligence and you talk about people and something might make perfect sense and then it falls by the wayside for whatever reason and it forces you to refocus in another way and you look at the landscape and you revisit and then something might pop out that didn't initially seem obvious. Very much with Nick actually because we started with much more mature actors. Uh, he's you know, comparatively very young in terms of what seemed obvious and the people we were talking about in the beginning. And then that thing just happens. And in his case, he was there and very generous and came in and read. And I think also, particularly with Yorgos, the body of work is so unusual that people were very intrigued. Mm. Um, and so you had a commitment from talent um, that was just uh, kind of superseded. There was just an intrigue really to be, to get to engage. Mm -hmm. And so um, Nick had done, uh, just done a little indie and obviously he had Mad Max and he was sort of starting to illustrate a kind of dynamic nature, um, having come as a child, you know, child actor from about a boy with Rachel. Mm. So I think actually that was quite an interesting full circle. Um, and I think it's really fun having that generational shift and you don't even really notice it. Mm. Um, and people would have been much younger at that time anyway. Well, you don't notice it because there's some amazing wigs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk, talk. I presume that you two, out of all of these, uh, you four, kind of work together most closely. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about the kind of setup conversations that you had, and particularly about the kind of look that Yorgos was going for and, the, and how you kind of crafted that together? Can you talk about some of those conversations? <laughs> <laughs> well, we kept sort of saying, do you know what's happening? Is this right? Do you, am I on the, you know, so there was a little bit of that in the corridors. But um, I think the thing, it's like everybody said, uh, like for me, what happened was I had interviewed for the job and I presented reference and, you know, initial impulse sort of imagery. And from that, I got the job, but I also think he just went, well, that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. then well, when I... You, when you're talking about reference, what sort of things were you talking about? Oh, I, I mean, it was a... I mean, it's always a bit of a mixed bag. It's sort of like you just... Your impulse sort mm -hmm. of stuff. So there was, you know, um, sort of accurate... sort of Actually, a lot of illustration from the period of mm -hmm. architecture. Mm. And then there was also, you know, contemporary photography or just, you know, just a whole mixed bag of things that I just sort of went, oh, what do you think of this? And... You know, what I was doing was finding a way to articulate space and scale and and he, you know, unbeknownst to me, had a whole idea about uh, cinematography and uh, movement and how he wanted to be able to play with space and have a figure in space, all of those kind of things that then came to be clear. Mm -hmm. um, so 
in a lot of ways, he sort of left me, like, we just did it mm. based on that initial little presentation. He was like, well, that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, easy. <laughs> Is he, does he kind of let you go then? Yeah, you, absolutely. You, you... I mean, he, you know, we would always check in. I mean, particularly with a script like this where there were, you know, there are, uh, you know, very, I mean, inaccurate, anachronistic, mm -hmm. playful elements. So we made a, you know, we had a conversation about always being clear about what was, like what would it have been? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, what if something didn't exist? Because there's plenty of things in this film that didn't exist, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's a wheelchair or a birthday cake or, you know, lots of little things. Um, we talked about what would have been and then we decided to do what we did because it fit the story. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's true, you know, like with all of us, like in terms of costume and, you know, with hair and makeup, mm -hmm. we sort of created a, <coughs> a language that feels cohesive, but it's not accurate. Mm -hmm. Is that the same for you? I mean, what were your reference points? What did you bring to it? Well, when I first met him, I'd meticulously researched the period. So I sat down and sort of regurgitated all this knowledge to which he said, how do you know? And I said, <laughs> <laughs> well, because it says it in all these, and he said, but we weren't there, we don't know, so maybe we could do this. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe we could. So from that point, I knew that, like Fiona said, you checked in and yeah. you knew what was right. You have to know the rules to be able to break them. Mm -hmm. So I knew what was right, mm. but then we could put a twist on it because yeah. every time I showed him a wig, that would have been, right? He said, mm, maybe it could be Twice bigger or a different colour or maybe do this with it. So then we, you know, to get that free reign, we were going crazy. We were spraying them in different colours, doing yeah. all that, you know, and he was like, great, okay, yeah, just keep bringing it. It so sounds like the dream job. It was really scary at first because you don't know how far to take that because you've got to make sure that you don't look like you've got it wrong. Mm -hmm. So there's being stylized or getting the period wrong. Mm. But then when I realised this is Yorgos, I mean, this is a Yorgos film, it. this is like, and like you say, he lets you go, then you can go for it. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's like a dream job. For hair and makeup, it's like, what more do you want? <laughs> yeah, and you've never done something, I mean, obviously you've never done something like this before, but you've also never done a kind of extreme period like this. No, I've done lots of period things before, but, but always period correct yeah. and perfect. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and, you know, every hair in place and yeah. every curl correct and everything so I'd never done anything where you could just go crazy and that's actually quite scary but to but and then when I watched it I thought no it's really brave to do that mm -hmm. to to do something different and the period doesn't get done very much either and if I ever showed him references which wasn't very often but if I even mentioned from another film I'm not interested didn't want to like oh, got to be different got to be different yeah. so. Johnny, is there the same sort of um, constraint or opportunity with period and sound? I mean, are, you know, are there things that we as an audience bring to a period film? We expect a flowing music or we expect, you know, particularly dramatic uh, dialogue. I mean, how, how, does that, does that affect the way you sound design? You expect it not to be abstract, I suppose. And, and um, like a lot of films will have big whooshy noises and sound design that will kind of carry an emotion. So, but we were very much trying to use what we had in terms of um, the, the fireplace rumbles and the, the winds from the window. I, mean, I remember saying to Yorgos, we can have quite loud sounds from outside indoors because glass must have been very thin in those days. And he said, have you seen the costumes? I was like, okay, so we maybe won't do that. But, but um, yeah, we very much tried to um, use sound in a way that 
we could steer emotion and narrative, but keep it very much from what you would see within the frame. So nothing um, non-diegetic. It had to be authored by the scene. So, um, uh, yeah, I think mostly what people would expect is a period film it has to be accurate. Mm -hmm. And we pushed that to the limit of what we could do, and fortunately we had enough time to explore the subtleties that live up to the Lanthimos way, because if you... If you um, it would be very easy to sort of trowel on some heavy whooshy noises when someone walks past in a, in a big frock. But um, that, you know, when we tried that, to be honest, sort of initially, and, and uh, it didn't go down very well. So, but we had the time to find the subtle details that, that made it more interesting, yet kept it with veracity of sound, basically, <laughs> the truth in it. And is it your responsibility to do the... There's a couple of moments where there's real overlay. There's a, I think there's a fight... Uh, no, the dance scene where you get the sound of the shooting. You, you, yeah. you cut for the sound of the next, the next scene. Yeah, the pigeon dance. Which is a really dramatic... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a really yeah, yeah. dramatic um, kind of arresting moment in the film. Uh, kind of tell us about the decision to do something like that. Well, Yorgos's idea, actually, he said... Um, um, I think he, he kind of uh, enjoyed the scene as it was cut and then said, what else can we do? Mm. To and, uh, and we thought, okay, how about bringing in the sound earlier from the scene that's coming? And, um, and then we started playing with putting it in sync and making it a kind of a dancey thing. And then, and then it actually it had a moment for a couple of weeks where it was really quite musical. And then it was, uh, and then we realized that was the wrong thing to do. And it had to be very much sync sound and, and still earnestly not a kind of abstract piece. But, um, so yes, it, it was a it was a exploration of um, yeah how to have fun with it basically. But, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we'll take some questions from the audience in one second. But just before we do, can we talk a bit about the house, uh, you know, and kind of what it did to the work that all of you did? Because presumably the house is, it's, it feels like another character in the in the in the whole film. Mm. To talk about the, the 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 once you presumably you were handed that house by the location. Yeah. Um, what then? How, how did that affect the way you designed the, the piece? Well, I mean, the thing is that that house, I mean, it just has the most phenomenal detail. And so I then... Is it Hatfield? Hatfield. Yeah. That, and then, so what... I mean, we just took advantage of it. So we just lifted details. I mean, there's construction in, I'd say, every room, not the Golden Corridor, but every room had degrees of construction to make it work for our story. Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, just doesn't work for the story the way it is. Um, but so I just like, you know, when we built the corridor, the secret passage, you know, I lifted panelling and we just kind of took so many clues because it's such a, an amazing place. Mm -hmm. And, um, and also, you know, it's important for me that you don't know where I begin and where I end, you know, like it all just feels like it's tied together. And so we just constantly lifted, you know, there's the black and white tiles and then we, re we, you know, bring them into this place or, you know, just different... Um, I mean, there's just details, like the carving on her bed, because we had that bed made and hand-carved, and but the carving matches that, you know, like it's all, mm. it's all so many threads, you know. Mm. Like, and the tapestries on the wall in the bedroom, are they Yeah, were they, we put they in real? some tapestries, because yeah. we needed to create passageways and to create the sections of walls mm -hmm. and things. And same with Sarah's room, that's the walls we created in there. Mm -hmm. with, you know, so there's... Um, I mean, that place, that was so accommodating. I actually can't believe that they let us do 
I mean, they watched us like hawks. They were just constantly there. Remember, we were throwing the fruit. Oh, yeah. We were all looking at the tapestries, like, oh, no. <laughs> please, please don't hit Well, the I just kept saying, oh, I guess they read the script. I mean, you know. But um, no, they were unbelievably accommodating because we had carpenters in there for weeks and they just, you know, wedging. You know, she can't screw anything. So it's all like wedged and leaning and, you know, very meticulous work. Yeah. That floor in that house. When we saw that, that then led to yeah. everything for the ball sequence. Yeah. The dancers have all got black and white wigs mm -hmm. to go with the floor. Sandy's costumes were all in black mm. and white, which then led to the, the stripes on the costumes were then added to the faces. And mm. so everything kind of came yeah. from, yeah. that's why it felt so cohesive when we all yeah. kind of came together. But yeah. really the house started yeah, yeah. that process. Yeah. When you're casting something like this, do, do, can you tell all this is going to be there just on the page? I mean, how, how much did your performance know that this was what the film was going to look like? Gosh, no. I mean, uh, obviously, like it's been talked about, you sort of look at the period and do a bit of research and you look at, obviously, our focus is more what do people look like, what were they wearing, how did they move? Um, so, I mean, overwhelmed by how amazing it looks and obviously for us it's all through the people and then we come into the situation and if we make a set visit we go wow this is where everyone's moving around um but i think we try to we 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 the the sort of same layers comes with all the sort of uh, non-speaking roles that particularly in this were treated equally to the actors mm. and the lead roles in the sense that we just wanted to create the kind of tapestry and the layers so that anywhere he moved or fell upon you felt like they were people that were really kind of considered and uh, vivid faces mm -hmm. uh, and looked like real people at the time and yeah, a variety of shapes and sizes. And You just watched the film again tonight, didn't you? Yeah, actually tonight's the first time I really saw the actors 100% because before I've always been totally blown away by the design, the wardrobe, the wigs, the costumes, the, all the other aspects, the sound, the music, the dancing, choreography. So tonight, I have to say, is my third time and I was really like, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. You're going to go back and criticise them yeah. now, are you? Always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> OK, let's take some questions. I believe we have a mic, is that right? Yes, we do. Don't be shy. We've only got these people here for a moment. Right in the middle. The, the Fox logo, how did that come about? The, um, so, yeah. Um, initially, that didn't go down too well, but it, it, <laughs> Fox is a sort of, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a very precious thing, the Fox logo. And... Um, but um, Yorgos was of the mind that it would be better to actually not have sound for, for the logos at the beginning of the film because it would steer the thing in the wrong kind of way. And um, so it was to be mute. And then I recorded a friend's rabbit squeaking <laughs> <laughs> and then put it on a keyboard and... Da -da 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 -da. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, how about this? <laughs> Break the fourth wall or something. But... Um, and so then we thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> was it? <laughs> it's the rabbit. And then when you, um, when you come to the first scene and um, Olivia says, um, you know, love has limits, it, it should not. During, just before then, you cut to the, the rabbits and you hear the very same rattling cage and the squeaking noises. But yes, maybe it's a stretch too far to, to believe. But yeah, it's a rabbit. <laughs> Hello, great. Okay, um, it's a very beautiful film, and uh, all of the actors mm. seem to be 
on the same page in terms of the quality and the intensity of their performance. Is there anything particular that the director does to enable that to happen? I know, I know that. <laughs> I mean, I know that. I know that Yorgos put them together beforehand and, and had them um, read through the script, but but disarm them in some ways to play games whilst doing so. <laughs> I know that he's very hands off in in terms of um, you know you won't see him particularly directing people. So it's about creating the right environment for people to feel confident and go and do their thing. I think that's kind of how it is, isn't it? Is that what you expect? He likes to sort of decode, though, doesn't he? Kind of acting. Yeah. He likes to sort of take De acting away and allow people to just show you what they're doing. Um, and in the cast were a couple of completely non-professional actors. In fact, there were lots, but in two of the very important roles that kind of create the environment, Sally, the maid, the one who tells her to put her hands in the burning, and... Uh, the um, housekeeper, Mrs. Meg, they were both found on the street. Um, yeah. He likes to put yeah. people against yeah. real Mix people. Mix it all up. And he told me a very funny, that I'll try and remember, Clint Eastwood quote, that if anyone ever gets to kind of take eight on a set, he'll say, that's enough of that acting <laughs> stuff. You know, just kind of... <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. But Mrs. Meg had... Um, hadn't seen The Lobster before she started. Wow. And then watched it during the shoot and went up to him and said, you are a lustful man. A lustful <laughs> man? She said, I'm not, no, I'm, this isn't going to be like this, is it? Like The Lobster. <laughs> she was not impressed. <laughs> it must be strange, though, with, with the actors, actually, because the, the, the tone of his script, it, oh, I know this isn't his script, but the tone of his films is always, there's a kind of strange delivery in performance. It's not a natural delivery ever, regardless of the film. Mm. And I wonder if that's a challenge for, for actors to take on. Did you... We, he, uh, it's more obvious period in... Is, sorry. It's more obvious in The Lobster. Yeah, and, and The Killing of Segadu, both of which were Eftimus Philippou's script combined with Yorgos, whereas mm. obviously this is a not Yorgos script. So I think it's more evident in the way that's written. Is that what you meant? Sorry. Yeah, although it's very, un it's very clear, unlike yeah, a period film normally, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of stripped back. But he does the, the rehearse in the rehearsal period. He does a lot of as a lot of unraveling. So getting them to do actually sort of stuff, you know, very stripped back will be a chicken. Yeah, yeah. Allows people to embarrass, Absolutely. transcend all those conventions, break the barriers, and break the barriers and expose. And then, yeah, he doesn't. He likes things to just said rather than delivered or overthought or so there's a sort of unraveling but I do remember making a set visit and a couple of the lead actors were like we've got no as these guys show we've got no idea what's going on here this is either brilliant or absolutely terrible well Olivia asked him on the first day she said those games we've been playing are we actually going to do it properly when we start shooting <laughs> or do we but then strangely it just suddenly does this like all that time that they were playing those games and pretending to be mm. a chicken or whatever, then yeah. suddenly they were so close that maybe that is what brings them all on the same page, I don't mm. Maybe that is the yeah. method in the madness. <laughs> More questions? Oh, nice. Oh. The detail or the moment you're most proud of in the film? <laughs> <laughs> Becoming. Okay, together. now you've had a moment. What was yours? 
I love the badger. I love the badger makeup. <laughs> she, she sells that badger makeup. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Because when I read it in the script, we thought, what? I mean, what's that going to be? And then, um, so there was quite a lot of tests around that. And, but I, I love that moment. I love when you don't see her and then the camera comes around to that. Badger? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, badger's good, yeah. Um, I think for me, it's, it's the spa, the mud bath, because mm. um, we just, it's, we, we didn't have very much money and we were just battling and I loved that scene so much. I thought it was really important and the, the journey there and the journey back and everything, that little beat was so important that we really battled to pull that off. Um, and so I'm so pleased that it, mm. we, we did, we scratched away and we made it happen, so yeah. Gosh, um, I think the collective um, ensemble nature and all the little roles, I think tonight I really felt like the young ones, the page boys and mm. the doorman really. I don't know, it's funny the casting thing because you feel like you're, they're your family and obviously they're not. So when you see them all up there, you feel this sort of sense of pride that they've all got there, shown up, delivered, done their lines and stayed, mm. stayed in the film. <laughs> I, I really like the um, after the fight in the forest when um, Abigail goes in the Queen's bedroom on her mm -hmm. own and just the subtle details in that that we spent quite a lot of time wandering around that room recording all I mean the pots really do rattle and regarding how the house was earlier I mean the most important thing from a film set is to get clean dialogue and, and you wouldn't believe how creaky those floorboards are you know that was quite a kind of a thing but so just the, the, the way that room sits with all the little tiny details would probably be my favorite sound bit. Final question. I just have to tell you, it, it amazed me the synchronicity between the extreme, the subtle, the extreme, the subtle, and mm. then I never got bored. It was always like, what, what are they gonna do and how? And it was always a surprise from, I mean, <coughs> And then just even to the end, the rabbits, the rabbits, the rabbits, until it was just like she lost touch with reality almost. For me, it was, it was like this amazing yeah. beginning and end. And, and, uh, Can we run it again now? I just want yeah. to see it again. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. Okay. Well, I loved this film to within an inch of its life, and I'm so glad to get the opportunity to talk to you all. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.